Courage to Hope with Tony LaGreca is a show supporting the fight for sobriety against substance abuse and changing the stigma that comes along with it. Tony has been helping families, friends, and loved ones discover recovery services as well as coping skills for over six years following the death of his own son to opioids. Join Tony and his guests each week as they reveal the courage to hope. Here's your host, Tony LaGreca. Thank you, Ben. And this is Tony LaGreca, and the show is The Courage to Hope. And tonight we have a special guest. We have Tina Cahill, and she is the executive director of an organization called Recovered Souls. Welcome, Tina. Hi, Tony. Thank you. Thank you for having me tonight. Well, we met the other night at a chamber meeting, and you explained to me what you do, and I find the whole thing pretty amazing. Before we get into the details, could you tell me how you got into the Recovered Souls, and what's your background? Yes. Um, well, I came to Recovered Souls a little bit in an roundabout fashion. Um, my background is in education, and I um, was working at Quincy College. I was there for a little over five years, and um, working in um, development and also in admissions and enrollment. And um, what I saw when I was in the enrollment side was that um, individuals would come to the college and if they were intimidated or vulnerable in any way, um, I found that they would maybe come in to ask questions about the process and enrolling in, in programs in, in, um, at the school. But if they didn't really have someone there to help them through every step of the way, um, sometimes they just wouldn't even fulfill their their um, desire to enroll and they'd walk away. So um, I had approached the people who originally um, founded Recovered Souls to talk to them about partnering with them to help their clients or the people that they served um, to help them to navigate the college admissions process. And as we started to have discussions, um, they asked me if I was in, would be interested in taking over the Recovered Souls piece and uh, help to develop the foundation and add this academic piece to to the um, to their mission. Initially, they were really um, focused on getting people to treatment and then helping them with housing. And um, I felt like this was the next piece in helping people to continue in their recovery. And to get stronger in their recovery was the academic or the, um, what I'd like to say, personal and professional enrichment. And um, so we we had some discussions and I ended up coming to um, the foundation and taking over as the executive director. Very good. Seems like you, you're into it quite a bit. Now, is this a full-time job for you? Yes. So I ended up leaving the college and... Um, I've been with Recovered Souls in January will be two years that I've been with them. And um, in that two year period, we really did develop from the the travel piece. We do travel vouchers for individuals who are trying to get to treatment. Um, what we do is we will help people go to a facility that is located far away from their family, friends, and maybe the influences that have um, kind of led them astray. So um, we found the travel, this is this piece was um, actually put in place by the founders, the, the, the guys who set up the foundation in the first place. But they find that um, success for um, treatment is better when people are taken away from, you know, being able to call a friend or someone to come pick them up and get them out of the treatment. So we have to do the, tra the travel pieces, but we also add other travel components where we help people if they, um, with let's say Charlie cards, if they need to, you know, they're living in sober living and then they have to get to work, but they don't have a car. Um, we can help them with some um, resources to so that they can get to work with public transportation, which is something we do. And then we help people with um, housing which um, again, when they're coming out of a treatment um, program and, you know, I think a lot of times a 30 day treatment somewhere might not be enough and going into a sober living environment and being around people who are um, in recovery where they have programs for them, they have meetings, 
Um, they have some testing, so it gives them more time to really strengthen their um, their recovery and being around influences and networks that can help them. And then so the piece that we kind of developed over the past two years on top of those two is um, the personal and professional enrichment pieces where we help people with getting their high set GED or enrolling in college um, classes or certificate programs. Um, we have run art programs, pottery, drawing, um, computers for the workplace. We've offered fitness memberships to the gym so people would have an outlet for their physical activity. And um, so these are things that we added to the, the foundation over the past maybe year and a half. And um, what we're looking now to do is you know, connect with individuals who are working in the industry and asking them what kinds of things can we also offer that would help um, individuals strengthen their recovery through, you know, rehab and treatment isn't always enough. We need to help them with that next step to be able to really sustain a, a, a life um, in recovery or sober um, away from substances. And I think the better they feel about themselves, um, the the stronger they are in their recovery. And we try to eliminate some of the barriers and, and try and help them to um, strengthen their their self esteem, I would say. You know? Yeah, I was so, I was gonna I was gonna read the mission statement, but it sounds like you've just said the whole mission statement pretty much. You know, it's like uh um how how long has recovered souls been in existence? Um, the, the, the founders, um, so there's some, um, individuals who were, uh, are in recovery themselves and, um, they are in the industry as well. And they wanted to give back in a way to, um, help others. So what they did was they established this in 2017. Um, they, but because they, it wasn't really their, I don't want to say um, their their skill set to run a foundation. They had their own um, careers actually to work on. They never really developed it as much. So um, they kind of kept it afloat for a couple of years. But then um, when I came on board, I have a background in development and fundraising and nonprofits. And um, so on top of the, the education piece, um, and my background in the development came together. So we've really been able to, since um, right now in January, it'll be two years that I've been there. So we've been developing the, um, making sure all of the, the financial pieces and the compliance and the, you know, bookkeeping and all that kind of stuff is in order and all our um, reporting that we need to do. And then we've developed some fundraising, had a couple of golf tournaments and, um grant writing and things like that that are important to um a foundation and keeping them growing and being able to serve more individuals by having the resources to do that is the foundation registered to the town of quincy a city the of quincy or the foundation you know is a is a 501c3 our office is in um quincy center um 1400 hancock street in quincy um, but we do a lot of work, you know, that's just an office. Um, most of our work is done, you know, out in the community, basically. Like our, we have right now, this week is our last week of a pottery class that we're running. Um, it's being held at the um, Quincy Art Association. They have a, a studio that they have allowed us to use. So we did that there. And um, we're in our last week of a Computers for the Workplace course, which this class does, um, teaches individuals how to use the Microsoft Office, you know, Excel, Word, PowerPoint, Zoom, all the things that if you're going to go into a workplace, these are kind of uh, basic skill sets that you need today to be able to, um, you know, to work in, in most most industries. So, so we're running that right now, and that's being held at Quincy College. And um, we um, actually have, and we've purchased uh, fitness memberships to a couple of different gyms in Weymouth and in Quincy. And um, we work with, we're working now to try and put together some courses for the town of Weymouth in Weymouth as well. So we've, 
the reason, so our the office, yeah. The reasons I asked that question is because last week we had on um, someone who is part of the committee to distribute the funds for, from all the lawsuits that are coming into the state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we know that the city of Quincy has got a pretty substantial amount of money and they have to dish it out to companies like yours that are doing right. something and it's town to town, which I disagreed with. I think it should be county to county because you don't just service one city, but right. Quincy does have money uh, that you can apply for now. Have you, right. have you done it? Have you, are you working on that? Um, I, I do have a relationship with um, Laura Martin, who's the um, liaison in, in Quincy. And, um, you know, we're, we're having discussions with, you know, there's been a lot. The, the thing is, is there's a lot of funds available. There is a lot of funding now, especially with that lawsuit. And, um, you know, during COVID, there was a lot of CARES money and ARPA money that was available. And I think there's still some of that left. Um, so we've been able to tap into some of those funds, which has been great. The um, funding's really important. Obviously, we you need the money to be able to do these things. We were actually fortunate to get some funds from a housing trust in Quincy to be able to help the people in the sober living so that, you know, when they need those funds to be able to transition into a sober home. What we do is we, we give our... If we're helping someone with sober living, for an example, we pay the, the sober homes, the managers directly. We make sure that the funds go right to the, you know, we don't give anyone money. We help them to be able to um, pay the rent, but we pay it directly to the, to the sober home, for an example. So, cause, and we also ask the individuals like, okay, we're gonna help you. We don't do a super long term. What we wanna do is help people get on their feet give them the funds to be able to secure a place to live. And then we expect that they're going to be able to sustain their living some with work, you know, have what kind of, you know, are you applying for jobs? Do you have a job? Are you going to get back to a job that you were in before that they're holding? A lot of times employers will hold a space for individuals. So um, we find that it's important. We want to help people who are actively helping themselves and who are really working to take the steps they need to be able to, um, you know, to be able to sustain a good, healthy lifestyle for themselves. And, and the one thing that we always say too, is when we, if we can help one person, we're usually helping that one person plus their family and friends, you know, because right. that they affect, they don't just, it's not just them. There's usually a network of people behind them that, you know, suffer along with them. So we, um, so that's what we, you know, that's how, what we try to do. So we, we have been tapping into different funds. I think what I always like to think and say is that money is one thing and we can, we can throw money at problems, but I think it's more about implementation and it's more about um, following up and, and really supporting individuals. I like to, when we help people, I like to follow up. I like to check in. I like to see, like we've had a couple of individuals that we may have helped with travel and then have helped with sober living. And now we've helped them, you know, get their high set GED. And we have people that are enrolling in spring classes at the college now. So I think it's important to, not offer not only offer financial support, but to be there to also make sure that they know someone's there to help them with the steps along the way, you know, and not just get lost in the crowd, which I, which I think is really important. Do you personally follow these all these people, or do you have a staff? Um, I do. I do most of it, and what I do, um, what I've been doing, which I because I'm not an expert in in everything, maybe not in anything. But what um, but what I do like to do is work with people who work in their um, sectors and in their industry and connect people. But what I do is I will follow up in regards to, um, you know, we have a, right now I have someone who's in a high set GED program. It's a long program. So every couple of weeks I'll check in personally and say, hey, how you doing? You know, how are things going? Is it going well? Make sure you check in with me after 
And um, I'll, I'll shoot emails. I'll give someone a call and I do a lot of that. That's, that's probably the biggest part of what I do is um, just kind of checking in, making sure that people are staying on track, let's say. Um, Somebody wants to become a, join the group. Do they mm -hmm. call the 617 number and will you be the one they'll be talking to? Yes. Yep. I you want to give out that number? Let's give it out a couple yes. of times. Yes. Our number is 617-302-8197. And um, people can even email me as well at tina at recoveredsouls.org. So it's tina at recoveredsouls.org. In case they didn't have a pen, they, the number again is 617-302-8197, right? Yes, yes, that's right. Okay. I actually just made a really good contact with um, someone at Mass Hire, and um, they're a great, you know, great organization, too, where they help people um determine like help them get jobs that's their main goal is helping people get jobs and so you'll go in and you'd apply and um they'll give you an assessment and then they give you a case manager who will you know assess your skill set and kind of talk to you about what kind of employment would be good for you you know where you might match and your skills might meet and um and what they do is they will if you need the training they will have training programs to train people the, when we talk about like the college admissions process, I think the mass hire thing is also um, something where maybe people will get intimidated by even going in and starting. So I have a contact at um, mass hire that we sat down and we spoke and he'll be my direct contact where I might have, you know, Joe Smith, who's interested and I'll say, hey, I'll set him up with Tom Monday at 10 o'clock. And he can go in, meet with Tom, and Tom will help them go through all the steps so that they have someone that will kind of guide them. And then once they're off with their college, I mean, their career counselor, then they're in, in a good place and they have someone who will, will work with them. So, again, it's a it's a um, I think it's a point of having someone to help you with process. And I found that once people get started and because they don't have the confidence, but once they get started and they start to feel kind of like, oh, I can manage this process, then they kind of take off and they, if they really want it, they, they can succeed. Um, and they'll have, they have the confidence to continue. But I think in, for any of these things, the high set, the, the college admissions piece, um, even applying for a sober living help or a travel voucher, it's having someone on the other end of the phone or in person who will help you navigate, get you started. And then a lot of times they do pretty well on their own, you know, and they'll, they'll continue. So that's a big piece of what we try to do. So this is, <clears throat> I'm going to assume if someone's listening now and they're, and they're still actively using, mm -hmm. they need to get into, they need to get into rehab first mm -hmm. and, and then, that's this is the second process once they're out of rehab, then they uh, but they're going to be if they call you now, you're going to help them get into a into a, rehab, a rehabilitation. place. Yeah, and, I don't really you know, we don't really work on the clinical side like that's not our I would probably give them a couple of numbers of um, treatment facilities and you know a couple of admissions people and and, and have them um, contact them we are more on the other side of because that's where we'll get referrals from admissions people for travel to treatment it's not that we're um, recommending it to people we're getting people referred to us through the, an application process um, but if someone was to call me, I would give them the names of, you know, of a couple of treatment facilities and their admissions people so that they could kind of make a call. Um, what we do, you know, if you look at our website, we have application processes for just about everything that we do between the, um, travel, um, the enrichment, the housing, We'll do some food insecurity during the holidays. We will um, buy um, 
food gift cards for soba homes so that they can fill their pantries or we'll give gift cards that to the house managers that they can pass out to people in their um in their houses you know at, at, at right now actually we're going to be doing that with um, a couple of the sober homes that we're working with so that they can um you know I'm you know for a lot of people living even in these in a sober home um a lot of times they're still doing some kind of treatment um programs and they're not working full full time and they're paying to live they're paying for maybe their phone they're paying for transportation and um it can be i think overwhelming when you're trying to work on your recovery and your treatment and you really you go into meetings you have house meetings you have group meetings um you have treatment so we like to help when we can on the, on the, the, with the food insecurity or the travel cards, or um, that's why we like to pay, pay for the enrichment programs like the pottery or the fitness, because it's extra. And if someone has to come up with, you know, $250 for a year at Planet Fitness, it's a lot of money for them. You know, either they have to oh, come yeah. up with the cash or they have to have a bank account and then they just bypass it and they won't do it, you know. Or even the even the um, like the pottery class or the computer class, um, it's something extra that they don't have to worry about that we can do for them, and it can take them outside of just constantly in the recovery mode. Can give them some kind of outlet outside of that, you know. So I, I believe if they're replacing the substance use disorder. To replace it, you've got to re kind of replace it with something that you feel good about yourself. Exactly. You feel positive and you need some positive affirmation. And so I believe like getting into the gym is a big, big, big step. Because I think once you you can get some natural endorphins that mm -hmm. the drug had been giving you once you're mm -hmm. in the gym and you're doing the workout. Now, if I'm a parent <clears throat> of a child who's in recovery now somewhere in an active treatment center, would they, um, uh, does anybody, <clears throat> usually do you, have, do you ever have a parent reach out to you before the person gets out of the treatment center? Is that something um, that happens? Well, we haven't, I, I have, I've had, I've had some parents call um, in that, in regard to the sober living piece, you know, wanting to, and that's the other thing, what we really try to do is work with um, sober homes that we feel are really good and structured and giving um, individuals a place that is safe and healthy for them. Um, I don't want to say like, you know, I, I work with, I've made some relationships with people that I really trust in the industry who um, have good knowledge of the different sober homes that are in our communities. And um if someone applies for sober living and I'm not, and I don't know the home, for an example, I will call some friends and, and ask and say, what do you think about this place? And is it a good facility? Are they, do they, and do they do good work? And 95% of the time I'll get a yes. And sometimes I get a no. And if we don't feel like it's a good spot for someone, we won't, we won't approve the housing. So I'll get people, I have had family members call um, to try and help um, find a good sober living environment for a family member. And that I can help with, you know, I can help and, you know, have give them the number of different sober homes where they can call and see if there's availability for, for someone. And then if they need financial assistance, we can help them. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of finances, what type of budget is required to, to run Recovered Souls? Well, our budget depends on, you know, we, we have a small budget for overhead because actually it's me and a couple of um, board members and the board members don't get paid, only I do. And the other funds that we have are used for our mission. And, you know, most of the money, our all of our overhead is very, very minimal. And the money is used for our mission, for the travel, the housing, the programs. Um, so that's really where the funds go. And the budget can be as small or as big as it, as it is, depending on the money that we're 
that is available to us. Well, that, that, that's what I was implying. Like, how much money do you need to get from donations and everything to, to fill all these gaps, you know, like the pay for the pottery and pay for yeah. the... Well, it, again, it, it the budget is just reliant on what we have. If, if we can raise um, a good amount of money, then we can we can service more people. So it it's not like you know. Again, it's not like we need X amount of dollars or we can't function. Whatever money we raise, we can use to 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 either run a program or, more importantly, give people the housing and and the travel well, that they have. And how many people do? You serve it roughly one time you you have a large amount a small amount you know is how big is it well this year um you know we're just wrapping up our books right now for the year and um we've helped probably i mean we not probably we i did some numbers um the other day and we had like 75 people that we helped with travel we had about 50 people that we helped with housing we had another maybe 50 people that we helped with um, programs. So, you know, we help a, a couple of hundred people um, this year about, you know, uh, give or take a few numbers. But um, between all the things that we did this year, um, that's about how many people we helped, including like some of the um, some of the gift cards and things like that that we gave to um to housing uh, managers to to give to people that are living in their places that we might not have helped in other ways, you know? So again, it, it's a big, the biggest piece of that is whatever we can, um, can gather in grants and in donations, um, then those are the funds that we can use and the more funds that we have, the more people we can help in different ways, you know? I think one of the things we're trying to do is We've put out a couple of programs and we're seeing which ones are resonating with um, clients and seeing, you know, what individuals are really gravitating to and what they feel good about. And and then we're trying to see if there's anything new that we aren't doing. One of the one of the individuals that um, I was talking to who works in the industry was saying a big need um, that they find is like financial literacy. Um, you know, really not learning how to budget their money, learning how to, you know, have a check account, like just to budget mostly than more than anything. Um, they don't really have a background. A lot of the people that they serve um, have some challenges with that. So we're, we're looking at a couple of different things that we can do that can um, that can help as well. Now, if somebody relapses to you, <clears throat> how do you handle them? Do they have to leave the program or do they get a second chance? You know, well, we don't, again, we don't work on the, the clinical side or anything. You know, if someone's in a, in a sober home or relapses, that's something that the individuals, you know, the people that they're working with and stuff, as far as the treatment side goes, that, that they deal with them. Um, we have helped some people um, who have relapsed um based on clinical recommendations and things like that from people in the in the industry who will come to us and ask for some assistance but um you know we you know we do some other things too we have helped people who are in sober living that are doing really well and working and you know we had one woman who was having who had a diagnosis a cancer diagnosis and um she was working and living in sober living and her employer was like you take your time. You can come back to work whenever you're ready. And um, she needed a month off and her house manager called and was like, she's so stressed out about not being able to pay her rent. And, you know, can, can we help her? So we'd helped her for a month. And um, then she was working with Dana Farber and they called us and they said, you know, she's really needs more treatment and more time. So we helped her again. And then they were looking at some other resources so that they could help her get through her treatments until she was ready to go back to work. Um, you know, we helped another guy he had to have a hip replacement. He was a construction worker. And, you know, he was, again, really stressed out and said, you know, I'm not going to be able to work and I can't, sustain, I don't know how long I can sustain my living with. So a lot of times, you know, they, they're, they're working and not making a lot of money and they're just getting through their their weeks and um we found that things like instances like that 
are instances that people just like they're trying so hard, they're doing all the right things, and then they hit a barrier or get knocked down. And and that's when, you know, they might get frustrated and go back to using or drinking or whatever it is that their addiction is. And um, we want to try and eliminate some of that. And so that's if someone's referred to us and they're having a special need, we will, you know, hopefully we can help them. Again, if we have the funds, the resources to do it. You know, we can look at these instance, instances and we can help people so that they don't have that level of frustration and kind of hopelessness, you know, like I'm trying so hard and I just can't, I can't get ahead. So those are the things we had one guy who, um, was starting a construction job and he went to work and they said to him, you know, you need boots with steel toe, you need special gloves. And he didn't have any of that. So his house manager called us and, um, we went and bought him the boots and the gloves and gave him what he needed so he could go, go to work, you know? So we're lucky enough that we are nimble we're small and we can we can look at some special circumstances as well if somebody needs help outside of what we typically do how about you you do all this work for all these people what type of stress or um how does how does it affect you because you see all these situations and i'm sure you you have to feel bad for everybody and you have well empathy for all these people and you know yeah you just yeah. said 200 so you're in touch with a large yeah. number of people yeah um, um i think what for me um it's not stressful for me it's i know that we can't help everyone like the people that we help i'm not sure what the success rate is at the end of the day you know following people to be able to see i did talk to someone today actually we had helped a couple of guys um, move into a, a sober home that this one gentleman runs, manages. And I said, how's um, so-and-so doing? He goes, oh, no, he's bad. He fell off the, you know, he he relapsed. He was down at Mass and Cass, and he's just not, you know, he's not doing well. And then I had asked him about another guy that we knew that we had helped, and he had relapsed, and he said that his name was Paul, and he said, um, Paul relapsed this I had checked in like maybe six months ago and he said to me today he goes Paul's back in um, treatment you know so they go back and forth and I think for me um, I think I understand that we can't help everyone if we like I said prior, before we help one person we help that person and we help their whole family um, I feel like you know if we can help people, we do. If people want to help themselves, what frustrates me probably more than anything is that there's a lot of opportunity for people to um, help themselves. You know, there's a lot of support, like what we do for them um, and not sometimes people grasp it and they and they take it and they run with it. And sometimes people, you know, we might have the computer for the workplace last session that we ran. Let's say, I don't know, we had 10 people. And out of the 10, five are still in the class. Five people just like stop coming. And that's frustrating because it's like, this is a great opportunity for you to really secure some good skill sets that are going to help you moving forward. Um, that's where I get a little bit of anxiousness, you know. But as far as the work and talking to people and when you talk to someone who's really grateful and who's doing great and who's being successful in their recovery, it's it's great. It's a great feeling. And, you know, I, I love the work, but, you know, can't help everybody, unfortunately. And that's the, that's the way the, the world works in this industry, I guess. Well, I'm looking on your website and I see some client testimonials. Mm -hmm. And one that says, your program helps me to build a foundation I need to maintain a stable, healthy and sober life. There's a nice one there. Yeah. Uh, and I just saw another one with the, if I can move it along. We've had some really good, I, it's interesting because I just pulled some up the other day to look at them too. And, you know, the ones that really, um, I think, resonate are, you know, testimonials where people are talking about 
to me, for me, is like their families, you know, um, you know, where people, this, this one person said, you know, it's time for me to admit to myself first and foremost that drinking is a problem and I need help. I'm looking forward to seek out advice, knowledge, and care of the trained professionals to better myself. And then, you know, and they say, I need to learn to be better, a better father for my children. You know, um, there's a lot of that, a lot of moms, a lot of dads, a lot of people that are struggling and have taken, you know, themselves out of their family um, equation and leaving their family behind, but also knowing that's also another part of their struggle is they're struggling with their addiction, but also knowing that they're leaving a family behind that needs them, you know? Um, so when we're helping people that really want to get back to their life and it, it, it means something. So we just, we have to just keep doing the work and hopefully it sticks for some, you know, if not all. Well, I see another one here from Tara says, thank you for all you do to provide transportation for people like me who have lost hope and have no one to turn to. Thank you as you can, as you continue your ways to help the sick like me. Mm. That's a nice one. Yeah. And, uh, they, uh, there's quite a few of them and the similar, similar type of things that they say. So right. on one side, you could be, emotionally worn out on the other side, you're totally gratified when you have success stories. Yes. So it's kind of the yin yang kind of thing going, right? Yeah. And that's it. I mean, when the people are really going to look for treatment, it's, it's they're they're at a place where they really know they need help. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, the way the drugs are today, it's hard for people to break their cycle. If it's a drug addiction, the alcohol, I think, is really difficult as well. But the synthetic drugs that are out there right now, I think, have such a hold on um, individuals that it's really, really difficult for them to to break away. And when they do, it's a miracle. I really believe that when they when they really find for some reason that clear moment in their in their soul that they say, you know what, that's it. I'm done. I see that that and so many people when they apply. Um, talk about it's either that or I'm, I'm, or I'm dead, I die, you know, and, and they, when they see that, I think that's the turning point, but sometimes I think it's really difficult for them to get to that place. So, you know, I don't know, we just try to help. And William, <clears throat> William says through education and following up with my 12 steps in the big book, long-term, mm -hmm. hopefully forever, sober living is achievable. That's a nice one. And then Kristen, I plan on maintaining sobriety so I can proceed with a clear mind and try to get a full-time job and start a new healthy life. I need and want to take advantage of all that you offer to help me get where I want and need to be. And again, another grateful person. Yeah. So they're, they're out there. They are out there. And, and, you know, and the, we have, I was talking about um, two, two kids right now that we, I call them kids, but they're probably in their twenties. Um, we help. It was a girl and a guy, and they happened to go through the same um, cycle for the high set GED program, and they both completed us their tests. There's like five different tests they have to take, and they both completed. And the girl had started working at TJ Maxx, and they wanted to offer her uh, a promotion, but she needed her high school diploma, and she was needed one more test she was almost done and um she passed all fiber tests they promoted her in her position amazing job and i see her now and she's so happy she's clear she's happy she feels like she's accomplishing things and um she just is enrolling in classes in the spring um and then the guy that was in the high set GED program with her, he also did all, all of the program, passed all five of his tests. He just finished two classes in the fall and he's taken two or three more in the spring. So they're both working on degrees. They're working on, and again, and I feel like, you know, I don't know who said it. I always attribute it to um, David Ortiz, but 
um, someone says, you know, success breeds success, right? So the more successful they feel, the better they feel about themselves. And then as they, you know, complete the high set GED, then they take two classes and he's the kid that just took him in the fall, he's doing really well. Then they want to take more and they want to stay on that path because they feel good. Um, that's why when I talk about the piece about, you know, having an illness and then falling behind in rent and feeling like you're working hard and then you just can't get ahead. That's where the, the um, barrier comes in and the hopelessness you feel because you'd feel defeated. Whereas on the opposite end, these kids who are doing really well and they find success and then more success and more success, they become stronger, I think, in, in their recovery, you know, and they get back into a, a hopefully a, a normal cycle of living. You know, and, and that's where we can offer and we can hope that people take advantage of what we have to offer because we feel like they're good things that will help them get strong. But um, they have to take advantage and, and, and use the programs. And and once they start seeing the success, they'll continue. Now, you know, how, how does Christmas play a part in this? Because um, I, I know we had someone on from. AA and she called this the trifecta period between Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. Christmas, and New Year's. It's the hardest time to to keep sobriety if you're partying with friends who aren't who mm -hmm. aren't worried about being sober and so forth. There's a lot lot of emotional stress that plays in. You find that there's a do they stay constant this time of the year or do they have a problem? You know, is it do you have to look out for signs? that somebody might be slipping or not doing their thing. Yeah. Again, um, it's not really my area, you know, of yeah. work. I'm not working directly with the, um, with individuals. We try to work with the, the sober homes to, you know, give some support um, as best we can, you know, like some gift cards, things like that. But that's really part of their, their work. Um, but as we all know, I mean, even if you don't have an addiction issue, the holidays can be super stressful and, you know, and a lot of pressure. And, you know, I think about people who not only the people that we're working with in recovery, but people in general, you know, if you, if you don't have the extra funds that society's making you feel like you need to, um, go and buy a million gifts or, you know, do all these things that come come across on the holidays. Um, it creates a lot of pressure. And so if you're someone who relies on the alcohol or substances to, you know, relieve some of that pressure, I'm sure this is a time that is not um, really comfortable for people. And that's where we see and we see that, you know, we know that just through statistics that this is a time of year that's difficult on many levels between between addiction. And right now we see the, the suicide rates go up and, you know, so it's it's a difficult time for people. Yes. And I, you know, we have we have a lot of listeners who they're dealing with their child, you know, their child. Mm -hmm. When I say child, same thing, when they're 20 year old or 25 yeah. year old and, our listeners yeah. are a lot of them are 50 to 70 years of age. So even grandparents with grandkids, um, it's a, <clears throat> if you know of anybody, I mean, I want to read something that came in from uh, Amy Weatherly, a Christmas reminder. You're going to come in contact with an awful lot of people who are at their absolute breaking point this season. Friends, family, coworkers, teachers, strangers in the grocery store, retail workers, while it may be the merriest time of the year for some, it is the saddest, loneliest, most stressful, most heartbreaking for so mm -hmm. many others. We're all busy, but we're not too busy to be kind, caring, and patient. Remember, the best thing you can give someone right now is love. Mm -hmm. And that's from uh, Amy Weatherly. I think we have to remember that this time of the year. Mm -hmm. um, because mm -hmm. um, and <clears throat> when somebody meets up with someone who's in the program with you, Mm -hmm. You know, we need to give them total encouragement, not anything negative. And yeah. we don't know what's going on in their mind. So we want to make sure we, we're nice to everybody. We cover all bases, right? 
That's right. Well, you know, what did, what did someone say? It's, it's, um, it's nice to, my, my brother-in-law's dad passed away and my niece gave the eulogy and then she was talking about her grandfather. And she said, the one thing her grandfather would say, it's nice to be nice, you know? So it's That's nice right. to be nice. So be nice. Cause if I always say to my kids, you never regret doing the right things. You never regret being good. So, you know, it's nice to be nice. So if you're nice to people, you know, it feels good for you, feels good for them, you know, and, um, and it's the truth. I mean, I think a, a lot of, most people struggle at certain, certain times, you know, if you have the propensity to, to fall into, um, you know, low self-esteem and, and, and different pressures, this is where people can struggle and, you know, it's hard. It's a hard time for sure. You know, it's a hard time for sure. So we do our best, right? That's correct. And I mean, and I can tell you were nice to me the first time I met you. So I know. <laughs> Not <laughs> hard to do. <laughs> you, you follow your mission. And, Not uh, hard to do. And I want to really thank you for all the time you've given me today. And we've been speaking to Tina Cahill, who is the executive director of Recovered Souls. And Correct. one more time, we'll give out the phone number. So it's Recovered Souls. And our number is 617-302-8197. And, and if you want to, um, I think it's really good to go to our website, if you can, um, recoveredsouls.org. And you'll find all the information you need just about what we do, what kind of services we have, how to apply. Um, and um, it gives you a good overview of what we're doing. And you, you'll also find my email, which is Tina at recoveredsouls.org. And our phone number, again, 617-302-8197. And, you know, contact us. If we can help, we will. If we can't, we'll try and find who can. And, um, you know, we'll work together with different people in the industry. And if we can help in any way, we'd, you know, we'd be happy to do that. That's what we do. I know a lot of our listeners have someone in their family or someone that knows someone. Mm -hmm. that is, this is a real tough time of the year, but it's been tough all the way around because I can tell by the statistics that right. what, who we're losing. So don't be bashful. Reach out for help. It's if it's there, take it. That's what you exactly. gotta do. You gotta you gotta get in there and and yeah. gotta help others and you can help yourself at the same time. And exactly. again, thank you, Tina, for your time. And this is Tony LaGrecker and the show you've been listening to is Courage to Hope. For anybody who has a friend that would like to that you think should listen to the show, you can tell them beyond WMEXBoston.com. So if they live outside of the Boston area and they can't get the signal. You can always stream us at WMEXBoston.com. And again, this is Uncle Tony, and thank you very much. And this is Courage to Hope.